Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I've seen a whole lot of catfish, some turtles. Uh, no gators yet, though. This Benny J bonus cannabis conversation is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J. Take it away. Okay, no reefer jokes, all right? We're mature. It's a mature, responsible discussion conversation. <laughs> no reefer jokes. Uh, it's bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. As I speak, it's Thursday, May 28th, 2020. Lord knows when you're listening to this because it's a podcast. And we've discovered, particularly this, with this one guest we have today, that a lot of people listened to the conversations months after the fact. That's correct. Yes, thank you, Robert Mueller. Uh, This particular guest that uh, will be on with us today has, how do I put this, like a lingering following, I've noticed uh, in my obsessive tracking of our listenership, has a lingering follow. People are just uh, listening to conversations from like six months ago. Interesting uh, phenomenon, the internet. Anyway, bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Uh, the headlines are all about uh, COVID-19 and the, uh, the, the update uh, statistically and how many people have it and how many people died from it, et cetera. Gloomy news, so I will not read the headlines. But instead, I will ask uh, my partner in crime for Cannabis Conversations, the great Lisa Solomon from the Chicago Reader, my beloved Chicago Reader, to introduce our guest. Go ahead, Lisa. Thank you, Ben. It's always a pleasure to be here for another Cannabis Conversation. Well, we are going to do something a little bit upbeat today. We've got a very titillating topic to discuss today. Um, You'll see why I use that term in just a minute. Um, Our guest today is Joseph Friedman, a cannabis industry pharmacist, very experienced in the industry, and he's trained others. Before we get into today's topic and before I announce it, I just want to say to everyone, I am not a doctor. Joseph, while a great pharmacist, is not your pharmacist and does not know your full medical history. So everything that we share on the show today is just sharing with you research that we have found. It's for informational purposes. And please check everything that you will want to do or try with one of your own medical professionals. So... Before I pass it over to Joseph, I'm going to tell you today's topic. It is cannabis and sexual health. We will be discussing erectile dysfunction, the female orgasm, and fertility issues. So, Joseph, I know we're only going to be able to hit the high points because there is so much on this topic, much of which 
does not have a lot of good data behind it because they're smaller studies, but let's pass it over to you and let you get started. And wait, before we Great, do that, thank you. before we do that, Joseph, let me just add to what Lisa said. I am so not a doctor. I am beyond not a doctor. Nobody should ever listen to anything I say about health and take advice from me. And if you do, you're not that bright. Okay, just had to say that, Joseph. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, you know, Ben, I'm going to echo what you just said and what Lisa said, that anything that we talk about on this show really needs to be run by someone who knows your situation, your health care, the medications you're on, uh, and all of that. So um, that's the disclaimer. Okay. So Yes, we're not trying to diagnose or help you treat your conditions, just to get the conversation going so you know what you can research and what you can bring up with your medical practitioners. Right, right. So, so to kick it off, you know, I, cannabis has been reported to improve sexual desire and function since the 70s. Many studies uh, noted gender differences with women reporting better sexual outcomes, um, while some human studies have described aphrodisiac-like properties of cannabis. Uh, animal studies have typically reported inhibitory effects of cannabinoids on male sexual behavior. I tend to kind of disagree with that, uh, but the most the most recent thinking is that cannabis can improve sexual response and function, but this is at low doses, um, while it can at higher doses impair the response and the performance. All right. Right now, a lot of the studies that I have seen, Joseph, said that that is very true for men, but they found that to be less so with women that there was a very bi-directional effect with men, meaning it cannabis functions in two different directions, that a small amount can help males because it uh, reduces the anxiety and stress, which is an issue for some with performance. But if they have too much, there are actually physical issues that make it a little bit more challenging. That is correct. And, and you know, to that point, women in a lot of surveys have reported the positive effect of moderate cannabis consumption on their sexual desire and satisfaction, pleasure, and there are orgasmic quality. Um, but you know, conversely, men have reported better satisfaction and response, but the studies have been contradictory. And you know, I think we want to get into just what this means for the guy who wants to use cannabis and have sex, and and what it means if you're serious about trying to have children and be on cannabis and you know, going through the process of having sex to do that. All right, Joseph, before we do that, I, I need to ask something that I'm at, as soon as I ask it, uh, you will all, both of you will laugh at me, my utter ignorance. Uh, that's the role I play uh, many times uh, on the cannabis conversation, the ignorant guy. So when they say that a study show, as you were, you were just, I'm paraphrasing what you said, studies show that uh, cannabis uh, improves sexual desires. What exactly is the study that they do and how do they reach their conclusions from these studies? I mean, is it strictly just asking people or is there a more sophisticated way of studying this matter? You know, I think, Ben, that's a great question. And I think because cannabis has been stigmatized for such a long period of time, uh, any good studies that are out there are more of a, you know, you're in a hospital, you're in a study. Hey, uh, did you use any cannabis today? Um, well, yeah, maybe. Or, or should I even tell you that I use some because that might get me in trouble? 
So, you know, a lot of these studies just really aren't very scientific and have a lot of gaps in them. Right. And in addition to what Joseph just said, the studies also failed to ask what type of cannabis they used, the method of consumption, um, you know, how much they have had, the amounts. And it is, it's all self-reported. We're not talking Masters and Johnson measuring with different equipment in a lab. It is purely self-reporting. Uh, for the women where he said they have reported more pleasure, there are actually... Mm -hmm. There was a lot of anecdotal evidence out there from the stories that they achieve orgasm much more quickly and are much more likely to have multiple orgasms. And some studies found the multiple to be true for men also. But again, you've got that tipping point of when is it too much? It's really everything that I saw, and Joseph and I read some of the same studies. He's read more than I have. They talk about if men have just a little bit too much, it then can impair them. Hmm. Right. And then, and then we don't really know, I mean, is that guy or that woman on certain drugs like diuretics, statins, beta blockers, and some antidepressants that can really cause erectile dysfunction? Um, you know, and then on the other hand, some high blood pressure medications uh, can improve erectile dysfunction, um, but alcohol, amphetamines, and cocaine you know, can inhibit. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, things and variables and drugs and conditions that really go into the ultimate effect of erectile dysfunction, whether cannabis is good or bad for it. Right. Are there any specific drug interactions? For example, some of the common ED drugs that people should be aware of if they're also consuming cannabis. Um. Uh, you know, good question. You know, I, I, I did research this, you know, Viagra, there's no drug interactions. This is according to Medscape, which um, is an app that's used by almost all healthcare professionals, you know, that are working. But with Cialis, which is another Viagra-like drug, uh, there was a drug interaction. And uh, Cialis will, well, cannabis will increase the level or the effect of Cialis. And so what does that mean? I mean, we can take a look at, you know, headache, um, flushing, um, uh, you know, insomnia, things like that. And, and, and then there was a study that, that had um, some very bad results where a guy who was on Viagra, you know, smoked a joint and had a heart attack. Mm. So, you know, cannabis on its own, you know, can decrease blood pressure and increase heart rate. So, yeah, you've got a heart condition. You take Viagra, you toke on a, on a joint for pleasure with your partner, and, you know, that can be a bad combination. So, in other words, we need federal legalization to have more research. We need more scientific studies so people really know what they need to watch out for and be careful of. Right. And, and then, you know, there's some guys that are chronic users of cannabis, and they develop, you know, it's called gynecomastia, which is the, you know, a male breast. And so, you know, it, it, it's a hormone imbalance, and, it, and this could also affect their sexual performance. I read something about that. It's interesting to hear you quote that. And then for women, there also is some type of estrogen effect that the THC I've read, I've seen this in multiple studies, is found to be more potent at the point in their cycle where the estrogen levels are higher. 
So that's why what they have one day may not feel like much, but may feel like a lot another time. I'm really looking forward to the day when people have like a good resource to go to Mm -hmm. and medical professionals all get trained on cannabis that they realize this is something that has a lot of health benefits, but well, and they need to understand how they interact with other things and also how they alleviate some symptoms much better than some prescription medications. Right. And then, you know, I mean, this also relates to the topic of, you know, if you uh, are pregnant or if you are lactating, breastfeeding, you know, should you be using cannabis? And, you know, the jury is still out on that one. There's been positive studies that have shown, yeah, it's really not an issue. And then there's other studies that have shown that it's decreased um, birth weight and then the cannabis gets into the baby's milk. So all of a sudden, you know, your baby's getting it. And, and, you know, what is the effect on that baby, you know, several years later when he's 18 or 19 as far as cognitive effects? So a lot of this stuff is still just out there and we just don't really know. But it's always good to, unless the drugs that you're taking for pregnancy that, um, you know, for the nausea and the vomiting, the first trimester are just really horrible for you, then maybe with a doctor's oversight and someone in a dispensary that knows a thing or two as well, um, cannabis could be an option, but I'm not saying it should be. And it's interesting because in a lot of the studies I read about that, it did say that they found the cannabis use for pregnant women was heavier in the first trimester and they were trying to figure out because then as you were saying before this was not that scientific and the questions weren't the best was it because they didn't realize they were pregnant or was it to help with the nausea because they felt that was the best thing for them to use because honestly a lot of people are more are more concerned about the horrific list of side effects from some pharmaceuticals and they feel well cannabis is a plant, it's got to be safer. So as Joseph has said, there are contradictory studies. Well, thalidomide is probably the, the biggest uh, story out there. I mean, if you remember back in, I think, the 60s or the mm-hmm. 70s, or maybe even earlier, thalidomide was used for the nausea and vomiting that pregnant women have, and then their babies were born without arms and legs. So you know, that's just a case in study on just how bad some of these uh, prescription pharmaceuticals can be, but I mean, it's gotten better, but really should something like this ever have happened in the first place? Uh, right. So, so Joseph, I'm going back to something you said that uh, the contradictions uh, in on the impact of cannabis uh, on a man's ability uh, to uh, have sex. And one of them is it reduces anxiety. And then the other hand, uh, it uh, what uh, you euphemistically said it limits a performance, and so I'm like to my mind, uh, you know, one is directly related to the other. Uh, it particularly, you know, I've said many times in this show uh, the reason I stopped smoking reefer way back in the day before anybody even called it cannabis was because it just filled me with anxiety. I'm no good. I'm worthless. I, you know, all I do is smoke reefer all day. Uh, so. <laughs> that's my sense of how it would impact you psychologically. But are you saying that there's something, there's evidence that suggests there's actually sort of like a, a physical impact that it has on a man? Yeah, you know, Ben, um, and, and I'll, I, I guess I can ask you this, maybe you can answer the question, but, you know, cannabis is an aphrodisiac 
for both men and women. And, you know, based on when I was younger, um, <laughs> I actually thought, well, if, if I have a heart attack right now, um, it was worth it because it just felt so good. So, <laughs> you know, there's <laughs> and, and what about you? Have you ever seen that movie going way back? Um, sorry, we're in a tangent with it, a tangent. I don't think anyone in this conversation is old enough to have seen the movie Private Benjamin. Have you ever seen a movie? Oh, called, of course. You actually saw it, Lisa? Yeah. You're too young to have seen Private Benjamin. In Private <laughs> Benjamin, Goldie Hawn plays a woman uh, who joins the army after her husband dies of a heart attack. And the movie begins with him dying of a heart attack while they're in the middle of having sex. So as soon as you said that, what a way to go joke, which is the oldest joke in the world. What a way to go. Uh, I just thought of that movie. Uh, sorry for that. I forget what your question was to me. Well, well, cannabis, you know, and you were asking me, is, is there any performance effects of cannabis for men? But, you know, cannabis use as an aphrodisiac goes back thousands of years in cultures across the globe. So, you know, there's, but, but, what what kind of effect will it have on a young couple that want to have a baby? What is the effect on the embryo? So you know if you want if we want to move on to embryology, embryology um, which is a branch of biology which deals with the principles of embryos from the stage of fertilization to their development, um, there are CB okay. There's two types of cannabis receptors in your body: CB1 and CB2. CB1 is mostly the brain, and you've got CB1 receptors throughout the body. Uh, CB2 is mostly in your immune system uh, and GI system. So, uh, but there also are some, a, a small spattering of CB2 receptors in the brain. So CB1 receptors um, are receptors that are seen in mouse embryos as early as the second day of gestation. So adequate anandamide, and anandamide is a fatty acid neurotransmitter that we as humans all produce. And anandamide resembles the THC molecule, right? Mm -hmm. um, so adequate anandamide levels are required for implantation of what's called the blastocyte. And the blastocyte is um, defined as, it's, like, it's an undifferentiated cell, um, you know, as, as far as being a you know, stage of the embryo. Um, and so it's, it, it's actually needed in the fertilization process, you know, this, 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 um, your own, your own chemical of THC that's in your body. So <laughs> this is a lot of science, but at the same time, um, you know, going back to sexuality and cannabis for, for that, it, it, it could be helpful for PMS. Um, I don't know, Lisa, if you've ever tried that. Um, I hear it's great for that. People swear by cannabis for, for PMS. Okay. Why, okay. why is that? What would the, what is the correlation between cannabis and, uh, PMS? Well, cannabis, it, both CBD and somewhat with THC and some other cannabinoids are potent anti-inflammatories, especially the CBD. So if it's helping to reduce the inflammation that people often get, with hormone fluctuations, that's going to help a lot. And Joe, do you want to say anything about, um, like it being a, um, how it, its effect is on the blood vessels, whether it dilates them and maybe reduces headaches? Uh, that's a good question. It's mostly an anti-inflammatory. 
Um, you know, when you have a headache or you have a migraine, that's usually um, basal dilation going on in your brain, and you take drugs that are vasoconstrictors that minimize or hopefully help you with the pain. Cannabis doesn't act in that way. It acts as an anti-inflammatory. So it acts on inflammation that's in the brain that could be a part of the pain that you're feeling from migraines. I found cannabis to be great for migraines. Um, at low doses, it works very well for me. And I've also heard that from other friends. Right. And for PMS, I mean, you don't really need a whole lot, usually two and a half to five milligrams of a one-to-one THC to CBD, um, you know, a couple of times a day can really help with P- symptoms of PMS. You know, since you're on the migraines, we could just deviate uh, for a moment so I can deal with this. As long as I have you here, Joseph, uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm dealing with this all the time. Like if I wake up some mornings uh, having not had enough sleep or what have you, and I've got these uh, muscle aches and, and uh, muscle tightness in my neck, uh, and it, oh, there's a correlation. I'll start getting what I think are migraines, but you know, like I get a little dizzy. I don't know if you ever dealt with this. Uh, it's it's like a form of a headache, but without the the pounding pain, it's more like a dizziness. And I've discovered that, like, if I take ibuprofen, that generally helps alleviate it. But mostly stretching really helps. Massaging, put a ball, literally put a ball on the pain, Joseph. And I have my own uh, ways of getting around it. Are you telling me that if that cannabis could help me with this? Well, you know, I, I think maybe getting uh, a newer um, box spring in bed um, and a pillow could help. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean... Maybe it's the way you're sleeping. Um, but yeah, yeah, cannabis, you know, can potentially help with, you know, that kind of pain that you're experiencing in the morning. But, you know, if you're experiencing like an aura or you're getting nauseous, that is pretty much what a classic migraine is. So if you're just, you know, sleeping funny and getting a sore neck and you've got some pain emanating from that, then maybe that's easily addressable with, you know, just the way you sleep and, and maybe, you know, the ibuprofen that you're taking. And it's, it's possible, again, I don't want to dispense medical advice. It's possible that CBD might help. There are some wonderful THC balms, the creams that you could put right on your neck. I've done that, and that's been very helpful for me, for neck and other musculature issues. You know, if I'm sore from a really tough yoga class or a hard bike ride. It works wonders. And if I can transition now back to the topic of this show, mm-hmm. there are topicals that are very helpful for women. There are, um, there's CBD and cannabis lubes that women can use. So if someone does want help with relaxing, wants to increase blood flow, but doesn't want to smoke, which you shouldn't be doing during COVID, or eat cannabis, you can use a topical. And you're less likely to feel any type of head high. But people swear by it, especially women undergoing chemotherapy, or that are postmenopausal, or that have possible issues with PTSD that lead to them just clenching all the muscles in their body. It can really help to relax things. So when we've talked about in past shows, healing without the high, there are 
a lot of ways to address issues with cannabis that do not involve getting high. Like if you put a little bit of balm on your neck, it's unlikely to give you a head high. If you put it right over a veiny area, it does get absorbed into the bloodstream. Well, we're right, Lisa. And, and you know, you've really touched on the other emerging trend in cannabis products, and, you know, and that's the popularity of new cannabis topical formulations that are designed for vaginal application developed by women-owned companies in the United States. There's one company out there called Fioria, F-O-R-I-A. They've got a website. And then up until recently, uh, Whoopi Goldberg and a woman by the name of Elizabeth Maya, who um, is a veteran in the cannabis industry, formed a partnership to create Whoopi and Maya. Um, but I think they had a, uh, a corporate divorce and that company no longer exists. But many women have reported these products to be effective and enjoyable for enhancing and improving sexual response, especially after menopause. Yeah, and I have a friend who worked at the Berman Clinic for Sexual Health downtown Chicago and has worked in a lot of urogynecologist offices. And she does advise people on use of cannabis. And she recommends cannabis or CBD lube to a lot of her patients that have issues. And she said they just everyone that she's worked with has found great benefits from it. And especially those that were concerned about feeling high. They like the idea that they can control the amount they put in. It's localized and they feel very empowered by that. And as we were talking about earlier, the mind plays a big part in it. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, there, there was a study done in 1974 and it was done um, with men and it showed that uh, lower testosterone levels um, were were happening among the men that chronically use cannabis. So, you know, is cannabis affecting testosterone levels? You know, again, we have to have we have to find the science that that gives us that information. But it, it's it's a connection. It's definitely a connection. I uh, I remember when that study came out, actually, Joseph. I, it's funny you should mention that study. I, I assume it's the same study because it was the big topic of conversation. Trust me when I tell you this. Because suddenly people <laughs> were coming face-to-face with the reality that there may be a consequence for... Uh, and that was long before Private Benjamin. So. Yeah, this was before <laughs> Private Benjamin. <laughs> so, well, he, he, yeah. we, as soon as he said that, uh, at least I just flashback uh, to... Uh, <laughs> And it's interesting, there is another woman-founded, woman-owned CBD company based in Chicago that gives online dosage support that will also help women with this. I just saw another CBD product, um, a lubricant. So you can use it in place of a traditional lubricant for sex that has CBD or THC in it. However, everyone does need to know these Cannabis lubricants, whether it's cannabis with THC or CBD, are usually found with carrier oils that can break down latex. So they are not condom safe. So keep that in mind if you're considering using these. Either look up some recipes to make your own at home in a carrier that's condom safe or make sure it's safe to go without a condom with your partner. Good point. Very good point. Uh, Lisa, before we uh, we're heading to, uh, near the end of our time here, why don't you uh, ask some of your cannabis and COVID questions uh, for Joseph? Yeah, thank you. So I'd like to just give a very brief update um, and clarify some things that people are 
hearing on the news, I have had dozens of texts from friends sharing with me their excitement at seeing headlines implying that cannabis prevents COVID. I want to set the record straight. There are a few very early preliminary studies out that indicate that CBD might possibly block um, the receptor sites that the virus attaches to. And there's also a study out of Israel showing hope that CBD can help repair lung tissue damage by COVID. However, these are small studies. They are preliminary. And for everyone saying, hey, I get high every day, so I'm not going to get COVID, you need to realize they're using CBD. And most of the strains out now are high THC and very low in CBD. So if you want to put faith in these early studies, think about switching to quality organic hemp, which is high in CBD, but I wouldn't trust this to keep myself safe. I'm still going to follow, you know, the standard safety protocols. I do microdose most days, so I'm getting a little bit of stuff in my body, but that's for me part of a personal choice as part of my daily health regimen. I take other supplements too. And again, during COVID, every expert I have heard says do not inhale unless that is your only way to get the relief that you need. Because again, it just makes your lungs more receptive to the bacteria, to the well, virus. Well, we'll think of it from this standpoint too. I mean, you know, taking, you know, putting cannabis aside, in, inhaling cannabis aside. I mean, if you're smoking cigarettes, if you're you know, inhaling anything, it's, it's, it's causing an irritation to your lungs. And anything that results in irritation to your lungs opens up a situation, if you were exposed to the virus, to uh, have, you know, more susceptibility to the problems that COVID can cause. So, you know, I went around um, with an, an email um, exchange with a number of doctors from around the country, and everyone was trying to come up with a good, you know, one paragraph on why people shouldn't be inhaling cannabis during COVID. So that's, you know, especially combustion, but definitely, you know, vaporization should not be an option if, if you can use an edible or, or a tincture or a patch or even a suppository to get your cannabis. So that would probably be good advice at this kind of critical time in, you know, in our history. Uh, right. And as you mentioned, if you are going to inhale, vaporization with a high quality vaporizer that can use flour instead of an oil-based product is probably doing less damage. So keep, keep that in mind. That's true. You're not getting the soot and the hydrocarbons that come from combustion. Yeah. And, right. and that study that you referenced, Lisa, um, I, was that out of Canada? For the COVID, there's one out of Canada, and then there is more research that has come out of Israel. Yeah. Yeah. And that those are being done at university hospitals. So it's it's very promising. I really like what I'm seeing, but the sample sizes are small. And again, it's high CBD, and I'm not sure of how that's being administered. Some of the things I read just talked about it being in your system, but I didn't see enough details to share any now. But I'll keep my eye on it, and when I have more information to share, I will definitely share it with the listeners here. Well, if we start having the, the, the cannabis um, 
group uh, on TV start talking about this new miracle cure of, of CBD, then we'll, we'll know it's for real, right? Yeah. <laughs> Joseph, have you heard anything beyond what Lisa has reported about this matter? Uh, cannabis and COVID? Yeah. Uh, no, not really. But but can the cannabis industry, what's interesting, it, they've been deemed essential in most states, although Massachusetts did shut down um, the recreational market, but I think they reopened it uh, just this past week. Um, so the, the fact that the states are considering cannabis dispensaries essential, essential during COVID, you know, mean, that's very meaningful. You know, think about it. Right. Well, let, right. T- talk that's about that. Very in your, in, forward. In, uh, Joseph, in your mind, we have this discussion all the time in political terms, like what is essential and what is non-essential. We discuss this on the show all the time. Uh, in your mind, explain why you think a cannabis falls under the category of an essential business in the middle of this pandemic. Well, I always frame, you know, my opinions based on the fact that I consider cannabis a medicine and medicine is essential during the pandemic, especially a medicine that can help you with anxiety, depression, pain. Um, you know, it, it can help with a number of things during this crazy time when I think a lot of people are climbing the walls waiting for things to return to normal. That makes sense. Yeah, And also while looking at the chatter in the Facebook medical cannabis groups, I'm seeing some sad postings of people saying, you know, now that everyone is going out and getting a card, since they're giving preference to medical patients, there are people that have been using cannabis to control their seizures that can't get the product that has been working for them. And they're starting to have some seizures again. So the state, is working to move towards releasing more licenses. A lot of the current growers are moving as quickly as they can to expand their growth facilities to increase the supply of product. And some of the dispensaries are very mindful of that, and that is why they've limited the rec sales so much. They want to be sure to be able to serve their patients. So the amount that the state mandated that they keep for patients it's only a fraction of what is actually needed because it was based on a patient count from last summer. Unless they've updated it, which I haven't seen, the patient count from June 30th, July 1 last summer is, what is it, about less than half of what it is now? So it was just not a sufficient amount. And their growth facilities, they did not have the time to gear up to meet the current demand. Right. And, and, and Ben, you know, just to kind of switch gears a little bit, you, you, we talk about the politics of this. Mm-hmm. I sent you a, um, a link to a debate that I and two cannabis pharmacists had with a lawyer. Now, I, I didn't even realize this guy was out there um, <laughs> until I had this debate with him. But he's based out of New Jersey. Um, and his modus operandum is to sue everybody in the cannabis industry for harms done to individuals communities and society at large. And he, 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 com- he groups the good players in with the bad players. I'll admit there's some bad players in the cannabis industry, but he's grouping everyone together and he wants to sue us all. Mm. So um, there we go. And, and, and so I just wanted to bring this to the attention of, of anyone who's listening to this show who is in the cannabis industry or knows someone in the cannabis industry that this threat is out there and um, I'm doing everything in my power to diffuse it and discredit this, this particular lawyer who, 
you know, I think I, I called him an ambulance chaser towards the end of the, of the debate because that's exactly what he is. And what was his response to you when you said that? Uh, he was threatening to sue me for personal liability and RICO violations, and I told him, go for it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Great. Joseph, thank you so much yes. for coming on the show again. It's always a pleasure to have you. You have so much great information to share. And to everyone listening, we want to know what you want to learn about cannabis. So we have an email at the reader set up. It's to be blunt at chicagoreader.com. That's P O B E B L U N T at chicagoreader.com. Send us your cannabis questions or concerns, and we will do our best to address these on future cannabis conversations. Um, and again, we want to thank everyone who's been supporting the reader through this challenging time for us. And if you'd like to see some of the special things you can get in exchange for your donations, go to chicagoreader.com slash support. We've still got some copies of the 420 book, which has amazing recipes. Even if you don't want to get high, you can use them with CBD. You can leave out the CBD. They're incredible. They're from some amazing Chicago area chefs. Lisa, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much, Joseph. It's another bonus show on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Take care, everybody.